Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. Last week I preached, oh, two weeks ago now, I preached on the temptations of Jesus. No, that was last week. And how Lent teaches us to give up the cares of this world that can distract us. We saw how Jesus resisted, and we modeled our own resistance and reliance upon the Word of God. In today's reading, we got some big stuff. The passage from Genesis alone has been hotly contested since the Reformation. But we're not going to focus too much on that today, but we're going to dip into all of the readings while keeping our primary focus on St. Paul's words to the church at Philippi. And he had some pretty strong words to say about, the, about, about what they were dealing with uh, at the church in Philippi. So I'm just going to quickly reread uh, that passage so it can stay fresh in our minds. He says, Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. So right away from the very beginning of this sermon, I'm going to tell you three things that I'd like you to take away today. And those three things are imitate, anticipate, and stand. And I've titled this sermon, The Way of, uh, of Imitation. So imitate, anticipate, and stand. Those are the three things we're going to deal with today. So when we talk about imitation, have you ever heard the old saying, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery? I don't know if that's true or not. It may be true. But imitation is something necessary for us as Christians. It's part of our Christian vocation. Imitation is something we are supposed to be doing. St. Paul instructs the Philippian church here. He says, imitate me. And then he says, and also imitate those who walk according to to the apostolic example of Paul and his co-workers. So I should probably go without saying, because Paul even says in another place, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? So we are, and they are, to imitate St. Paul to the degree which he imitates our Lord Jesus Christ, which Paul does, which is why he can say, hey, y'all, I want you to imitate me. So to all of you, don't imitate me. Imitate St. Paul, okay? I'm doing my best to imitate him, but uh, imitate St. Paul as he imitates our Lord so you might be thinking, well, how do we imitate him as he doesn't give an example, at least in this room? Well, he kind of does. But he does lay it out um, in the same chapter, but in previous verses, right? So he does lay it out, but not in our reading, but in the readings that have come before. So what I'm quickly going to do is just tell you at the beginning of chapter 3, which is where this reading is from today, he tells them to rejoice in the Lord. And then he lays out some of his heritage and his background. And he makes the point that if anyone could boast in their pedigree and in a theological training, he could. And he says, even according to the law, he was blameless, right? So this means he was so zealous for the law, he could actually refer to himself as blameless, that he kept it. But he does not put any confidence in where he came from or who he was or his personal holiness because he counts all of that, all of his achievements, all of his accomplishments, he counts it all as nothing 
But he doesn't just stop there, though. He goes on to say he has suffered the loss of all things, and he counts them all as rubbish or garbage, because knowing Jesus Christ is worth more to him than everything. He goes on to say in Philippians 3, 10 to 11, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. But experiencing the power of the resurrection can only come from being given the righteousness that Christ gives to us by faith. And this is for St. Paul what he means by imitating him and those who walk according to the example set for them. This cruciform pattern of living empowered by Christ's righteousness that he has given to us is difficult, but it results in eternal benefits given to us by the cross of our Lord. And St. Paul knows that living a life of luxury and ease is not living in the way of Jesus and gives everything that he has and everything that he is to the work that Jesus called him to do. So the goal that Jesus promised him and us will be realized. As St. John Chrysostom said, everyone who is a friend of luxury and of present safety is an enemy of the cross in which Paul makes his boast. And what did we hear earlier in the Genesis reading? When God appears to Abram, he tells Abram of the blessings he will receive and the promise of a son and descendants so numerous it will be like the stars in the sky. And the text says, and he believed the Lord and the Lord reckoned to him, it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God. He believed that God will fulfill his promise to him. And in the conversation that followed, he asked God, how will he know? How will I know this will happen? And then God makes a covenant with him, swearing not by Abram, but swearing by himself. And us, brothers and sisters, Jesus actually says in the Gospel of John to the Pharisees who are, who are grilling him, he says, Abraham saw my day and was glad. Right? Abraham received the promise from the Lord. He believed the Lord and he lived in anticipation of that promise and that promise was realized in the birth of his son Isaac. And he had the sign of that covenant as the marker, right, of God's promise. And for us as Christians, our crucified Savior, Jesus Christ, is the marker of that covenant that God has fulfilled his promises. So those who do not imitate, they will not anticipate because they do not have a sure hope in anything beyond their own desires. So number two, let's talk about anticipating. So look at how those who do not imitate or anticipate live. They walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So an enemy is someone that you are in active opposition to at the point even of bloodshed at times. These people are active enemies of the cross of Christ. It is their duty, like St. Paul before his conversion, to, to try and destroy the church, the people of God. Such people are destined for destruction. Their God is their belly. Last week we talked about temptation, particularly hunger, and we see it here playing out in the lives of those who are God's enemies. They glory in their shame. So we think to ourselves, what does it mean to glory in our shame? St. John Chrysostom says, those who make a boast of those things of which they ought to be ashamed. That's what that means to glory in shame, is to boast openly about things that should make us quiet, <laughs> that should make us feel ashamed. And the reason why I'm going to take a little bit of time here is because this is, I think, brothers and sisters, the particular sin 
of our age. Sinful behavior has become normalized, right? It has become accepted. Doing wickedness has now been trumpeted as being true to oneself, right? Or living our best life, (laughs) or whatever have you. We live in an era where boasting in things that should make us ashamed is the norm. A perfect example of this would be a few years ago, not too long ago, there was a leftist hashtag on, on, on Twitter, and some of you are thinking, yeah, take that leftists, don't worry, right wingers, you're gonna, you're gonna get some too. A leftist hashtag showed up on Twitter, Twitter encouraging women to be open about their abortions. Because it was sought in doing this, it would destigmatize the whole idea which is itself something that's incredibly dehumanizing. Brothers and sisters, this is boasting of something that is shameful. During the presidential campaign, then-candidate Trump was recording talking about groping women without consent. This, brothers and sisters, whether he did it or not, we don't know, but this is boasting in what is shameful. Christians are not immune to this either. Not even clergy are immune to boasting in what is shameful. A very popular pastor turned writer and speaker encouraged women who had been involved in evangelical purity culture to send in promise rings. Do you guys know what promise rings are? In evangelicalism, there is this movement called purity culture. And the idea is that we want our children to be respectful of their bodies, right, and to hold to a particular Christian ethic of sexuality. It was a good idea, but in the way it played out, some ways it played out very good, and in a lot of ways, it was very damaging, right? And promise rings were a ring that you would wear for men and for women, signifying that you would, you know, wait until you got married before you you would have sex, right? So this, this author, former pastor, asked all of these people to send in their old promise rings so she can melt them down and turn them into a a statue shaped like genitalia. And they did, and she did. Brothers and sisters, this is wickedness. This is boasting in things that are shameful. And this is what our culture is all about. In contrast to this wickedness, brothers and sisters, we are to set our mind on something else. We are to set our minds. We are to anticipate the coming of our Savior. Why are we anticipating this? Because when he returns for us, in, coming to the, in contrast to the coming destruction of those whose God is their belly and who revel in what is shameful, we are looking forward to the transformation of our bodies. We will be renewed, revivified, remade. We will become by grace what God is by nature. But we will only experience this as we cast off the work of darkness and live not for ourselves, but for Christ, empowered by the righteousness he has given to us that we receive through faith. Brothers and sisters, if there's anything that we can glorify in, if there's anything that we can boast in, it is not in the things that we do that are shameful. Because all of us, right, might do things that are shameful. But fortunately, we probably don't boast in them. (laughs) But we ask for the Lord's forgiveness, right? But we boast if we can in anything. It's not by anything we can do. We boast in the sufferings of Christ. We boast in the wounds of Christ, right? Like St. Paul himself said that he did. 
We boast in the sufferings of Christ, and we boast in our participation in the sufferings of Christ because his glory will be revealed in us. And thirdly, we stand. uh, Imitate, anticipate, and now stand. In the gospel reading, some Pharisees come to Jesus and tell him, get out of Dodge because Herod is going to try and kill you. How does Herod respond? He told them, go tell that fox I'm here for three days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> healing, the, healing the sick, casting out demons. He knows where to find me, right? Jesus is like the, the first person to ever say, tell Herod, come at me, bro, right? He's like, come at me, bro. Come on, Herod. Jesus knows his mission. He knows the Father's will. And no upstart ruler is going to keep him from accomplishing what he came to do. No one can take his life. He willingly lays it down for us. Jesus stands firm, just like he did when tempted in the wilderness. And so for us, brothers and sisters, we are also to stand firm just as Christ stood firm. St. Paul says at the end of the reading in Philippians, stand firm in the Lord. So enlighten everything of what he just told them, that there are those who are enemies of the cross, that these enemies may attack them, that those glory, there are those who glory in boasting about shameful things, and there are those whose mind are set on earthly things. They are to stand and not be a part of it. Don't be swayed by it. Don't be drawn into it. Because if they do, what is waiting for them, due to their heavenly citizenship, is worth far more than whatever this life has to offer. And I think about this, and I think about the life of of St. Patrick, right? In in the life of St. Patrick, he was taken as a slave from Britain to Ireland. He escaped back to Britain, and then he went back to Ireland as a priest. And he, what did he do when he went back to Ireland? He brought the good news of Jesus Christ to the very people that enslaved him. He stood firm. He stood firm. And we saw on the prayer that we, we started with this morning, those things that came against him in his mission, which is why he was praying for God to protect him against all of these things, because those were very real things for him as he stood firm in his calling that Christ has given to us. And brothers and sisters, we are called to stand as well. So today, brothers and sisters, I tell you, imitate Christ anticipate his return and stand firm against those things that wage war against our souls. May this season of Lent bring renewed strength and the desire to cast off the deeds of the flesh and that the righteousness given to us by faith in Jesus Christ will lead to our eternal transformation and empower us to imitate, anticipate, and to stand. When it looks like Everything else around us is in turmoil. We can stand waiting for, anticipating the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom is due all glory, together with the Father who is from everlasting and is all holy, good, and life-giving spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. If these sermons have been a blessing to you, I ask that you take a few minutes and help us if you could. We've recently begun fundraising efforts for some repairs that our building really, really needs. If you could, go to our Facebook page, Zion Stone United Church of Christ, or our website, zionstoneucc.com. You'll see a link to a fundraising page we've set up at GoFundMe, which I'll include in the description of this episode and all episodes moving forward gofundme.com slash save Zion Stone UCC. 
If you could help us out, we would greatly appreciate it. Also, please keep us in prayer as we go through this fundraising process. You can also, please, if you have some time, rate us on iTunes. And you can also find this podcast on Spotify as well. Thank you so much for listening, and God bless you.